please stand with us. Let us praise the Lord together. I just want to extend a special welcome to you today. 
and also to let you know that each week you're going to get to meet somebody new in the congregation as they welcome you during this segment. Now, it, you know my name, so we would love to know yours and that you're here. So if you fill out the check-in card inside the worship folder and put it in the slot in either entrance table, helpful. But even easier, if you'll download the Church Center app, the first time you'll fill out some information, but then after that, all you'll do is check mark your name, the service you're attending, and click submit. Literally takes 10 seconds, so well worth your time. Now, if you're visiting today, we really want to extend a special welcome and invite you to visit our welcome desk as we have a gift for you and information that may be helpful to you. So again, welcome to Newcastle Bible Church. Well, my job's been outsourced. <laughs> I, I know what it's like now to feel when automation takes over your job. But uh, we are really glad that you all are here with us this morning. I mean, I guess I'll just uh, talk about the resource of the center now. Um, resource of the month is Side by Side. And this is a resource we like to provide to each of you for free. And we do this once a month. We, we, uh, the pastors, we kind of get together and we select books that kind of go with the theme of what's being preached or taught on um, that we believe would be just an extra supplemental uh, encouragement to you and a resource and a tool for you to use. And so why this book was chosen is because we all should be doing biblical counseling. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary word, though. I mean, when you hear biblical counseling, you think of like this really formal scenario where somebody comes into your office and it's because they're in trouble. But the fact of the reality is that's not what biblical counseling is. We believe biblical counseling is so important because all of Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable and for training, reproof, and correction, training in righteousness, that it pertains to everything in life and godliness. Whatever trials we're facing, whatever difficulties, whatever questions we have, we believe that the scriptures are sufficient to answer those and equip us. So that's why we believe biblical counseling is important. And why we all should be doing it is because all of us are filled with the Spirit, are filled with goodness, and able to teach one another. And so we're all to do it. So if you want a different word than biblical counseling, we should all be involved in soul care taking care of each other's souls, bearing each other's burdens. This book will help you do that. If you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. How do I help some, take care of somebody's soul? This book is so accessible, and it just puts it so simply and practically. This is how you walk across the aisle, so to speak, in the room and start a conversation with somebody and how you engage in fellowship. Fellowship is not just talking about the, what your sports team did this week, but it's a conversation that's centered on Christ. How do you do that? This book will talk to you about that. How do I engage in somebody with more than just a superficial conversation? This book will equip you to do that. So at the end of the service, I'd encourage you to go out these doors into our resource center. It's a bookshelf all along the walls, and there'll be a table full of these. And if we run out of copies, come and tell me, because we'll order more. Um, but we want every family to be able to take a copy home. So check that out at the end of the service um, to uh, better equip yourself. With that in mind, thank you. With that in mind, let's uh, pray before we keep singing. Lord, we, we want to come in and stand in awe of you this morning. And I pray that you would help us to do that simply by reflecting on the miracle that you brought about in each of our lives. 
how we used to live in darkness, how we used to be blind to the truth of your word, how we used to live unrestrained following the desires of our heart, the sinful desires of our heart, how we used to live a life full of shame, guilt, how we used to feel burdened in our conscience. Lord, you came into our lives despite our sinfulness, and you saved us. Though our sins were scarlet and embarrassing and guilt-laden, you washed them away so that we are white as snow. We no longer have any shame. We no longer have guilt because Jesus took that upon himself while on the cross. And so I pray, Lord, that we would reflect on how you did that in our lives and that that would cause us to just pour out praises to you this morning for your mercy and for your grace that you have given us a new song to sing. You've given us new life. You've given us hope, not just when we die, but you've given us hope in this life. And you have brought us peace and reconciliation with God the Father. We're so thankful, and we want to praise you for that this morning. We pray that you would bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Psalm 111, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Let us respond with our whole hearts this morning to God's truth, to his faithfulness, to his great and wondrous deeds. Would you please stand with us as we sing? We go before the throne of God above. I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands. My name is written. On his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. And Satan tells. And tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the justice 
Savior and my God. One with Himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. Treasure my pleasure. 
New Year, Newcastle. Great was his faithfulness in 2022, and great will be his faithfulness be in 2023, huh? New morning mercies every morning in 2023. Will you pray with me? Well, Lord, it seems like the new year is a great time to and I take stock for the past year, and as I look over the faces of Newcastle this morning, I see folks who have celebrated much blessing the past year, giving you praise and thanks, knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from you. There have been many thanks, Lord, from my brothers and sisters. You are so, so, so good to us. But I also see faces have been through some difficult trials in 2022. Some of those are also some of the faces that have given you praise for your many blessings. But those folks who have gone through trials have given you praise in the midst of those trials. We've heard, we've shared those testimonies. That their trials produced, as it says in James 1, steadfastness. And that steadfastness has done its work in growing them in maturity. They have praised you, Lord, in the storms of 2022 because you are a good, good God in the midst of the storms. So, Lord, as we remember the past some here this morning and the last few days, I'm sure, let us mostly remember 
that at one time we were separated from you, excluded and without hope. But now we who are far away have been brought near by your shed blood. We now have hope. We've been singing about that hope because of your great faithfulness. And Lord, it's that hope that takes us into 2023. And it's a hope that can be fully realized, the hope that we can take hold of, the hope that anchors our souls. It says in Hebrews, you are the God of hope who fills us with joy and peace as we trust you in 2023. So Lord, with that joyful hope, we as this Newcastle Bible Church body, like Paul, we, we press on in 2023 toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of you through Christ Jesus. It's our desire to know you more and more in 2023 and then to grow and grow and grow and become more like you in those days ahead. We need your help and your spirit to lead us in your word. We need your people, this Newcastle Bible Church to help us. Help us, oh Lord, and then Oh, Lord, help us to help others here at Newcastle and throughout our communities that they might know you, our God of hope. Lord, our prayer-focused church this week has been Bethany Community in Washington. And Pastor Daniel asked that we would pray that they be faithful in the new year in a Colossians 1, 28 to 29 type of way. So we pray they would... Proclaim you, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that they might present everyone mature in Christ, that they would toil, struggling with all your energy, and that you would work powerfully in and through them. And we also pray that your energy and power give them great wisdom as they consider engaging in church planning ahead in 2023, that more and more would be reached with your hope. We also pray for our GO partners, K&H and Topaz. Pray you would give them wisdom as they are walking through some difficult stuff with a few believers there in Topaz. We also ask you would continue to give them more opportunities for them to boldly proclaim truth to the folks over there. And then we pray for their spiritual and emotional health. K&H and entire families, they live in a place with few other believers. Let their hope be fixed on you. So now I'll let the next hour and this next year bring glory to you. For as Peter wrote, according to your great mercy, your great mercy, our great God, you caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And oh Lord, great is your faithfulness in 2023. Find us, find this church faithful in the days ahead, and we'll give you all the praise, the name of our faithful Jesus. Amen. As we sing this next song, there's a repeated line in every single verse, may our hearts be so consumed by you that we'll never cease to praise. And I hope for this new year that that would become kind of your, your theme and I hope that also as you think about that, that you will be excited to know that Pastor Kevin's message is going to answer the question of how you can become consumed by God that you'll never cease to praise. So would you please stand with us as we sing this song?
Amen to that, right? That uh, our hearts would be so consumed by the love of Christ that we would never cease to praise, no matter what's going on in our lives, that we would continue to praise God for his goodness, for his power, and for his mercy. Well, happy new year to all of you. Welcome to 2023. Who would have thought that we'd get to 2023? But here we are. And we've gathered on this new day of the new year to refocus our attention on the necessity of God's word for our spiritual lives. So I'd invite you to take your copy of God's word and open it today to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
where we'll focus on verses 14 to 16. And if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We would love to give you a copy of God's Word today as our ushers come, catch their attention, take this gift, return it to the tables at the back, or if you need a new Bible for the new year, please take this Bible home as our gift to you today. We'd love to bless you with that. Next Sunday, we return to our normally scheduled Sunday morning schedule, okay? Our normal programming, so to speak. So next Sunday also starts our new series of adult discipleship electives during the 9.30 hour. So please pay special attention today to that insert that's in your worship folder that helps you see all four of the different adult discipleship electives that will be starting next week at 9.30. It would help us a lot for planning our room assignments. If you could sign up today, either by filling out that insert, dropping it in the tables at the front or the back of the room, or you can go on our app and and, uh, sign up for one of the classes there. But you cannot go wrong on any of these four classes. They're all excellent ways to grow deeper into God's Word together in this start of the new year. So uh, Josh Gerber is going to be teaching a class on biblical relationships. Uh, Two of our elders, Chad Lehman and Mike Rassi, are going to be co-teaching our membership class. Uh, Jared Bergen will be teaching a class on spiritual disciplines. And Tyson Smith, Pastor Tyson, will be teaching through the Upper Room Discourse from John 13 to 17 in the Gospel of John. So great, great ways for all of us to be growing deeper in the Gospel this year during 9.30 hour on Sunday mornings. All of that starts next week, so please plan accordingly to benefit from those. Now today, our Bibles are open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. And this is the Apostle Paul writing from a Roman prison to the senior pastor of the church at Ephesus, a young man by the name of Timothy. And after we meditate on the necessity of God's word for all Christians that Paul exhorts Timothy with, at the end of our message today, we're going to celebrate communion together. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. What a better way to usher in a new year than remembering all that Christ has done for us in the gospel. And so, just so you know, that's coming at the end of the service. But for now, let's stand in honor of the reading of this piece of literature that is far different than all other literature. This is the very word of God itself. So let's read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17 in the ESV translation. Paul writes this, But as for you, Timothy... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. 
We've just read together the very words that God himself wrote. You may be seated. Let's pray that God will help us in our meditation of those texts together. Father, we come now, we're very dependent, very very aware of our weakness, very aware of our need and our neediness as we start out a brand new year together as your church here in central Illinois. And I just pray, Father, that, that your Holy Spirit would take your word and the preaching of your word and use it to transform us, to, to give us hope, to give us joy, to increase our wonder, to increase our awe in the fear of the Lord. Oh God, I pray that you do a mighty, mighty sanctifying work, that you would grow us as your church in greater faith and in greater joy and in greater love for you, even through this message. Oh Father, I pray that you would increase our appetite. Yes, increase our hunger for your word. May your grace appear to make us long for your word more than we long for honeycomb, that we value your word more than we value gold. Oh God, I pray that you just increase our dependence upon your necessary word for our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start today's message with a story that uh, happened several years ago in my life in Pekin, Illinois. It's everything I'm about to share with you is true, but I've changed the names, obviously, to protect the identities. It was several years ago, a coworker and I had scheduled to meet with a single mom in her home for counseling. We knocked on the door. She nervously let us in. It was the very first appointment that we had had with her at her home, and and uh, we sat down, we started to talk, we started to ask questions of, I'm going to call her Jenny, we started to ask questions of Jenny of what was going on in her life and how we might be able to encourage her and strengthen her. And at some point during the conversation, I remember asking Jenny uh, if she had a Bible, to which she responded, what's that? And as we talked, I became stunned by the reality that was before me that this young single mom had never ever heard of the scriptures. This young single mom living in central Illinois in one of our communities, uh, her, her life had quite literally been a trail of tears, but Jenny was not stupid. Jenny was poorly educated. Jenny was withdrawn but she had lived her entire life in central Illinois and could not ever remember meeting a Christian before she met the two of us that walked into her home that day. She knew many of the names of God, but only those names that had been used in vain. She had no comprehension of the true glorious meaning of who God is and that he had revealed himself to us through his word. How do you react to that? What's your response to knowing that there's people like Jenny living in central Illinois right now who are completely unreached with the good news of Jesus Christ? What do you think about the fact that here in Tazewell County, Illinois, there's people who have no knowledge of God and his life-giving word? 
Shocking. Now ponder this. What if none of us ever had a copy of God's Word? What if there was no Bible in the world? There was no religious person anywhere who had a copy of words that God had written. What if there was no such thing as the written revelation of God? I can't imagine trying to teach God's people on a Sunday morning if I did not have God's words to communicate. Are you thankful this morning that you have a copy of God's own words written down in your lap this morning, in your own language? Are you absolutely amazed that God himself wrote a book that he wants you to read? Today, if there's a Bible in your possession, you are holding a translation of God's own words that he wrote through 40 different human authors over the course of 1,500 years. These people living in three continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. God invaded the privacy of his own trinity, you could say. And revealed himself to us in a written love letter. We call it the Bible. The Holy Scriptures. All so that you and I could know how God saves sinners. So that we could live forever with him in joy. Oh, this morning we have our Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want us to be very, very thankful this morning because God's Word is absolutely necessary for our spiritual life. The best commitment we could ever make at the beginning of a new year would be a commitment to come to truly know God through His Word. God's Word is fully sufficient for us. It's absolutely necessary for all of our life. Nothing is more important for our eternity than our intake of God's words by faith in Christ. Peter teaches us that we have been born again, not by perishable seed, but by imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Jesus prayed this in John 17, sanctify them through your truth, your word is truth. So God's word is the primary instrument that the Holy Spirit uses to both save God's people and grow God's people. We use that big word sanctification, that just means growth, spiritual growth. God's word is the means that the Holy Spirit uses to save and sanctify God's people. So here's the question for all of our honest hearts today, and that is, so then why don't we all spend more time investing our lives in knowing God through his word every day? Perhaps it's because we just failed to plan. We just lack intentionality. But listen, church, listen. Holiness never falls into the lap of the lazy. Laziness can never produce godliness any more than guilt could ever produce godliness. So Titus chapter 2 verse 11 is clear that it's God's saving grace 
that rushes into our lives with the power to transform us from one level of glory to the next level of glory. It's grace, not guilt, that trains us to renounce ungodliness and live godly lives. So listen, it's only God's gospel of grace that will ever motivate us to truly become more intentional in our interactions with God's life-giving word. So please listen with open hearts this morning. I'm seeking to persuade. I'm seeking to inspire. I'm seeking to encourage us all to be intentional because God's word is absolutely necessary for our spiritual lives. The Apostle Paul believed this. The Apostle Paul believed this. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we find Paul is again imprisoned in Rome, for his faith. And this time, Paul, Paul does not expect to get out. He, he believes that he's going to die as a martyr for Jesus in this prison. He's not getting out. So he's writing one last time to his disciple, young Timothy, who's pastoring the church in Ephesus. And he's charging this young pastor, keep your confidence in God's word. Keep preaching God's word relentlessly. Paul wants Timothy to understand that no matter what happens, God's word is more than sufficient. God's word is absolutely necessary for all life and godliness. So first, in verse 14, we see that the scriptures are necessary for steadfastness, for for endurance, After all, if you look back and just skim through chapter 3 so far in the verses that are above you, chapter 3 exposes the difficulties of making disciples for Jesus in the last day. Timothy, listen, Timothy, the people that you're trying to disciple, the people that you're trying to help come to faith in Christ, they are going to love themselves more than they love God. They're going to love the praise of outward religion more than they love the power of inward spirituality. So you, Timothy, however, should continue to measure ministry success by faithfulness, not by external outcomes. Expect Timothy to be persecuted. The world is only becoming a darker place. But as for you, Timothy, verse 14, continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from a child you have been acquainted with what? You've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Timothy, continue, abide, endure, remain, be steadfast, in the sacred writings. Be steadfast in the scriptures because false teachers are going to constantly seek to advance some new train of thought. But Timothy, you can remain true. You can remain loyal to God's gospel. The gospel that you've learned from what? What does the text say? The gospel you've learned from the sacred scriptures. What does that refer to? That refers to the Old Testament. That's referring to the Old Testament scriptures. Clearly, Timothy had been taught by his mother and his grandmother. We meet them back in chapter 1, verse 5. 
He had been taught the Old Testament scriptures by his mom and his grandma. But now, in recent years, he's been taught the fullness of the gospel from the Apostle Paul himself. So it is the written scriptures that empower a continued ministry of light in a present age of darkness. The scriptures are absolutely necessary for any steadfastness in ministry. So dear disciple makers, those of you who are giving your life to make disciples for Jesus, oh dear disciple maker, don't ever be ashamed of the scriptures because there is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes what God has said. The word of God is living. The word of God is active. The very words of God himself are able to convict and convert the soul of the sinner. So children... This means, since God wrote this book, and God never lies, this means that whatever the Bible says is absolutely true, and absolutely trusted. Oh, children, read the book that God wrote. He wrote it for you to read. Oh, parents, parents, continue in what you have learned. Fulfill your ministry by what you have firmly believed. You can trust God's word to sustain you, parents. Oh, grandparents, you may be enduring much suffering, but the scriptures are trustworthy. They will get you through in your confident hope of Christ. Church, if you desire to work through your life to spiritually minister to others, and you must remember that the Holy Scriptures, God's Word, are absolutely necessary for you. But God's Word is not only helping us continue in ministry, but at the end of verse 15, we learn the Scriptures are also necessary for our salvation. Paul writes, The sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through... Faith in Christ Jesus. So certainly, we have to agree, God's word is absolutely necessary for our spiritual life because here we see that the sacred writings, specifically the Old Testament scriptures, are able, meaning they have the power, like the power of dynamite, to show people the way of salvation and help people know what they must do in order to have eternal life. Notice carefully in verse 15. It's not the scriptures that grant salvation. The scriptures point to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So salvation itself is experienced as one believes the message of the scriptures and puts their faith in Jesus. After all, it is possible. Did you know this? It's actually possible to have the entire Bible memorized and not be saved. That's possible. We are only saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Yet faith in Jesus comes through the hearing of the words of Christ, Romans 10 says. So how does God's word make people wise for salvation? Well, first, the Bible reveals our need for salvation. 
The Bible is kind of like a mirror. So that when we read the Bible, we sh it shows us that we have sinned. We've, we've fallen short of the glory of God. Second, the scriptures teach us that no matter how well-intentioned we might be, no matter how hard we might try, we cannot save ourselves. A, a sinner cannot change his own nature. It's, we are lost. We are needy. We are dependent upon someone to save us from ourselves and from the wrath of God. And then the sacred writings repeatedly testify that they're like a mirror because they show us our own sinfulness, but the sacred writings are also like a window because you look through the scripture and you see and you see testimony of the saving grace of God. You see testimony of how God saves sinners. You get a glimpse of how God's grace is for you and your sins can be forgiven, washed away, turned white as snow if you just trust in Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. He, he took our place for us so that if we trust in Jesus, we are no longer condemned in our sins. But He saves us. He takes us to be with Him forever in heaven. So maybe today you are not yet wise unto salvation. If you were honest with yourself or with me, you would say, well, Kevin, I'm not, I'm not confident that when I die... I know where I'm going. I don't yet personally know God's grace or God's peace. Well, here's some good news for you today. This is a book, the scriptures, the Bible, is a book that God wrote for you to read so that when you'd read it, you'd come to understand his heart of forgiveness, his heart of grace, his heart of mercy for sinners like you that never deserved to be forgiven. But he still forgives us because of who he is and how good he is. This is a real invitation for you to read God's word and taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 16 punctuates this truth with a loud trumpet blast of joy. For not only are God's words powerful enough to lead us to salvation through faith in Christ, but God's word is also sufficient for our spiritual growth after we become a Christian. God's word is absolutely necessary for our sanctification. Big word again for spiritual growth. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, all scripture is breathed out, breathed out by God. Now, I want to pause here. Just, we'll pull over for a minute. Because I want to make sure that this church has a very clear understanding of an important doctrine that we call the, the doctrine of the inspiration of scripture. Have you heard that before? The inspiration of scripture. What do we mean by that? All scripture is breathed out by God. That means the scriptures have their source in God, not in man. So scripture was created as God moved through the unique personalities of these 40 human authors throughout the course of 1,500 years in history. 
I appreciate the helpful definition of the inspiration of Scripture that Charles Ryrie suggests. He says the inspiration of Scripture means God superintended the human authors of the Bible so that these human authors so composed and recorded without error God's original message to mankind in the words of their original writings. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, says the same thing, kind of defines the inspiration of Scripture this way. Listen to 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy or no Scripture was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So technically speaking, listen carefully here, this is important. Technically speaking, the authors of Scripture, the human authors, were not inspired. The document of Scripture is what's inspired. Technically speaking, the inspiration of Scripture refers to the document, not to the human authors. The writings were inspired by God. They were breathed out by God. So therefore, now these are big words. You didn't know you are going to start the new year with such big words. But this is why Newcastle Bible Church believes in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. You say, what in the world do those words mean? Verbal inspiration. That means we believe the Holy Spirit communicated specific words, not just chapter headings. The Holy Spirit was working through human authors to breathe out every single word. And we believe that it's plenary, meaning, as verse 16 says, that all Scripture, all of it, was inspired or God-breathed. So that the entirety of Scripture from the creation account in Genesis all the way to the end times prophecy of Revelation comes from the mouth of God. Translation, when you read your Bible, you are hearing the very voice of God himself. That's awesome. Did you hear what I just said? The God who created you has spoke so that actually when you read the translation of Scripture that's in your own language, when you read that, you are hearing the very heart of your Creator. You are hearing the very heart of your Savior. You're reading His love letter to you. The Bible is not something for just professional Christians to read. This is absolutely necessary for every single believer in Jesus Christ. No wonder the Bible has been so attacked, by the way, right? Throughout history. Because once you admit that the Holy Scriptures are the very words of God Himself, then you must accept the authority of the Scriptures over your life, for they represent the authority of God Himself in your life. In every aspect of our lives. But you might say, well, pastor, I, I try to read the Bible, but there's just so much of it I just don't understand. Now listen, listen. Admittedly, some of the Bible is hard to understand. And much of God's word is hated and mocked by unbelievers today. But all scripture, all scripture 
from Genesis to Revelation, is breathed out by God. And since it is God's actual words, then we know it is true. And since we know it is true, then we know it is profitable and good for us to read. You say, well, how is it profitable? Well, God's word is necessary for our sanctification in four specific ways, according to verse 16. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, training in righteousness. Paul wants Timothy to see how necessary God's words are for making disciples. Look at these four ways, that, the, the four ways that Scripture, how Scripture grows believers. The first two, teaching and reproof, those two deal with our inner person. Uh, with what we think, what, what we believe to be true inside of us. The last two, correction and training, deal with our outward behavior, our words, our actions, how we live, how we relate with others. So Scripture instructs Christians what we ought to believe, that's teaching or doctrine, and also convicts us of false teaching or wrong beliefs, that's reproof. And then scripture also corrects our wrong behavior or our wrong speech and educates us positively in our righteous behavior. You say, well, Kevin, that, that's a lot of, uh, I don't know if I understand that. I, okay, let me see if I can illustrate how God's word works for our spiritual growth using a sanctification roundabout. You know what a roundabout is? <laughs> Go to Peoria, you can drive around the roundabouts. But God's word teaches us right doctrine, right? So God's word gives us the road to drive, so to speak. Teaches us how to live so that we know the path that we are to walk. But when you sin and you get off of God's path, God's word is useful to us for reproof. In other words, God's word comes and can, when we sin, we get off the path, God's word comes and convicts us and says, hey, Souter, you're off the path. This isn't the way that God wanted you to walk. You've shifted your hope from God's grace. And when we repent and we turn from our sin, God's word brings correction. God's word graciously guides us back onto the path of life, the, the restoring our joy. And then instruction or training in righteousness is God's word in training or instructing us towards greater Christ-likeness, towards greater joy and faithfulness in our character and in our lifestyle. So God's word is absolutely necessary for us to stay on the path of joy and life as Christians. Church, if if we are not meditating on God's words, we will not grow spiritually. But whenever you hear and whenever you believe and whenever you obey God's words, God's words keep us from sin. God's words sustain us through suffering for they are the very words of God. Finally, Paul wants to make sure that Timothy sees the necessity of Scripture in ministry. Because uh, verse 17, verse 17 teaches us that God's word is necessary for service. 
All scripture is God-breathed, useful for every aspect of our spiritual life. Why? Why? Verse 17. So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The reason God gave us his scriptures is so that you can know him personally and so that you can help other people know him personally. You are now equipped with God's word to share the message of God to others. At the beginning of the year, it's a helpful time to just kind of come up for air or ask yourself some diagnostic questions so you could ask yourself, do I really want others to know God and love God like I do? If you do, then the God's equipped you with the word of God so that you could, you could help others to know God and to know his ways. Now, if you notice in verse 17, there's a title there. When it says the man of God, that's actually a title. The man of God was used in scripture to describe several important men. Moses, Samuel, Elijah and Elisha, David, and Timothy. You say, well, what do all six of these men have in common? Well, all of these men were devoted to knowing God personally through his word and then helping others to know God as well. In other words, the purpose of your Bible intake is never so that you could win Bible trivia at your next family gathering. The purpose of your Bible intake is not so that you would know more facts or get more theological understanding. The purpose, the ultimate purpose of our reading of the scripture is that we would know God and that we would be able to help others better know God. Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. God himself in spirit. You have the Holy Spirit of God. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, and you have God's own word, then there's nothing else you need. You have everything you need. You, you are fully equipped for the ministry. God's word is more than a ministry manual. It's a love letter. It has a supernatural power to transform your own heart and the hearts of those that you're ministering to. God's word is absolutely necessary for all of our spiritual life. God's word keeps us steadfast. God's word brings us to salvation. God's word sanctifies and grows us as Christians. And God's word equips us for all of our Christian ministry and service. So as 2023 brings us an opportunity for a fresh start, let's all be intentional to delight in God's word. Let grace, let God's grace motivate you here. He has richly supplied you with everything you need from his word so that you might know Christ, the source of joy and life himself. So let's intentionally discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, living out the reality of who God has made us to be in Christ by intentionally delighting in God's word. Now, there's all kinds of ways you could do this, right? First, there's, there's hearing the word of God, just simply desiring to, to hear the words of Christ through biblical preaching. Or there's reading the Bible, which usually means we're consuming larger sections of God's word in one setting. Maybe we're reading an entire chapter 
maybe even multiple chapters in one setting. So when you're reading God's word, you're likely just spending two or three seconds on each verse. So reading is intended to expose you with the larger overview of God's work and God's ways. When you're reading scripture, you're looking for the big picture of who God is and how God works. But when you study, when you study God's word, you you slow down. And you usually are focusing on a much smaller portion of scripture, maybe just one or two verses, maybe spending multiple minutes considering just one verse. And studying the scriptures and meditating the scriptures, they go together because meditating is how we chew the cud, so to speak. We really turn each phrase over. We, we think carefully about what does this verse mean to the original audience? You know, what is Paul writing to Timothy from a Roman prison here? Thinking carefully about the original meaning of the words before you try to say, what does that mean then to me today? And then there's memorizing scripture. Most of us here would probably say we're not good at memorizing scripture yet. But God's word is so full of promises. It's, it's so full of commands to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So let's be intentional this year. I'm inviting you to be intentional to read big but meditate small. If you only have 10 minutes every morning to spend in God's word, spend five of those minutes reading and spend five of those minutes thinking and meditating and praying over what you have read. Taking notes about what God is telling you from his word can be very helpful for your study, for your meditation. The point is simply this. Be intentional in how you are seeking to delight in God's word this year, church. Now, I don't want to forget the last two important ways of delighting in God's word. Because all the meditation and all the memorization of God's word means nothing if we don't apply it. James 1, verse 22, says that we actually deceive ourselves anytime we take in God's words, but then don't try to live it. It's a warning. That's sobering for us who live in such an information age where we can turn on God's word and listen to a sermon at the click of a button, But whatever we hear, we must be careful to do. And believe it or not, teaching God's word is actually, I believe, one of the primary ways that God intends for all of his children to delight in God's word. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a pastor. I I don't have the gift of teaching. No, 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 no. No, I am convinced that God's design for every Christian is to grow in God's word and our delight of it by teaching it to others. Because first of all, you can't teach to somebody else what you don't know yourself. And God commands every Christian to be sharing his gospel with others. We're all commanded to do that. So no matter if you have the gift of teaching or not, if you have children, if you have nieces and nephews and children that live in the same neighborhood as you. You have an opportunity to teach these children God's word, God's promises. So parents sharing God's words with the children that are in your own home is a 
God designs means of grace for you to be intentionally delighting in God's word. Or at Awana on Wednesday nights here at the church. Or with your coworkers, or with your classmates in your school. Or with your neighbors or with anyone that you're mentoring. Oh, church, every single one of us has a biblical opportunity and privilege to be teaching God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. And in so doing, it will help you yourself delight better in what the good news of the gospel actually is. So think carefully about these four questions that I put on the bottom of your notes page today in your notes. Ask yourself these questions. Get somebody else around you that can mutually encourage you in your commitments to these questions. As you say, well, how am I going to commit to reading God's word this year? How, how am I going to seek to memorize God's word this year? How will I seek to better learn God's word from others? And how will I seek to be intentional to do a better job of sharing God's word with others this year? And if you don't know where to start with any of these questions, then feel free to join me and others here at the church through a year-long Bible reading plan it's called F260. F just stands for foundations, okay? So this, this is a year-long Bible reading plan that will work through the significant scriptures from Genesis to Revelation five days a week, 260 days out of the year. Foundational scriptures for 260 days. This plan also recommends a couple memory verses every week. You can sign up for this plan anytime using the link on the screen, the QR code on the back of your notes page, the Church Center app. Hard copies of this reading plan are provided at the tables today for you to take home. If you're kind of a paper person, you want a hard copy, you can see the whole year at a glance. Every week in the worship folders this year, we're going to just be putting in the assigned reading for that, for that plan so that it's easy for you to join us at any time and join in and reading God's Word. Obviously, there's no obligation not at all. But if you don't yet have an intentional plan for reading and memorizing scripture this year, then please seriously consider joining me on this delightful journey together. Because rest assured, God's word is absolutely necessary for your spiritual life and for mine. So we must be intentional in how we seek to delight in it together. Shortly after William McPherson came to America in 1893, William McPherson was severely injured in a mining accident. The explosion permanently blinded him, blew off both of his hands, and badly disfigured his face. Now, as William started to recover from his accident, he, he grieved that he could no longer read God's word. He wanted to read God's word so bad, but he was blind. He, his hands were blown off. His... So then he heard about a lady. A lady who read Braille with her lips. So he, he quickly ordered some, Bible, some books of the Bible in Braille. But much to his dismay, he found out that the, the nerve endings in his lips had been so damaged by the explosion that there was no way to have sensation. He couldn't, he couldn't make out the Braille letters with his lips. But he kept trying. Because he wanted to know God better through his word. 
And one day as he brought the braille pages up to his lips, his tongue touched the braille and he realized he could make out the braille characters with his tongue. And like a flash, he thought, I could actually read God's word again with my tongue. So after much effort and much hard work and God's amazing grace, William McPherson was eventually able to read through the entire Braille Bible four times before he died. Are you thankful? Are you thankful that you have that God himself has given you his own words. I pray that you would experience the joys that come from the hard work of intentionally delighting in God's word as we go into this year of ministry together. So let's pray and ask God to help us before we transition to remembering all that God has done for us in communion together. So God, we just want to thank you. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's, our words seem so small. For all that you have done for us in Christ, you have given us a written love letter so that we can know your heart for sinners like me. Father, we pray that you would just increase our awe and our wonder. Help us to turn off the internet. Help us to turn off the TV. Help us to turn off the distractions. And help us to that 2023 would be a year of, of, of salvation, a year of spiritual growth, a, a year of tremendous spiritual ministry because this would be a year where your people were intentionally delighting even more in the glories of Christ as revealed in his word. Oh God, help us. We are weak. Forgive us for our sins and help us as we now seek to delight in the goodness of your salvation as we remember your work for us in communion together. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, now we have this very special privilege at the very beginning of this year to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And remember all that God has done for us. So if you haven't yet picked up uh, your own communion elements from the tables, just raise your hands. I think the ushers are coming. Yeah, the ushers have. So just raise your hand. We'll bring it to you. We'll bring uh, the communion elements to you so that you're able to help us uh, celebrate in this special ceremony of remembrance. After all, think about this, church. God's word became flesh, <laughs> Right? When Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem, Jesus came to earth as the Lamb of God to sacrifice himself in our place in order to pay for our sins. This is a marvelous truth. This is such good news. So when we drink the juice together in a moment, the juice is actually helping us remember how Jesus' blood was shed to pay for our sins. When we eat the cracker in a moment and our teeth crunch that cracker between our, our, our grip, it helps us remember how Jesus' body was broken to bring us to God. So loved ones, as we take just a moment at the beginning of this year, I want to ask you, are you gladly trusting in Jesus for the sacrifice that was necessary 
from your own sins. You will never, listen please, listen, you will never become good enough for God on your own efforts. You need to trust in Jesus. You need to trust in Jesus' finished work, what he did on the cross, what he did in the empty tomb. You need to trust in Jesus for your relationship with God. So come, all you unfaithful. Jesus himself is the offering. You must not participate in this communion celebration if you think that you are somehow good enough for Jesus. You must not participate in this communion celebration if you somehow think you are strong enough to come to God on your own terms. You must not drink this cup. You must not eat this bread in the spirit of self-reliance or in the spirit of unbelief. That would bring God's judgment on your soul. Don't do that. Communion is a meal for the weak. Communion is a meal for the broken. Communion is for those who are desperate and those who are humble, those who are glad that Jesus is your offering. So if you are glad that Jesus is your offering today, that Jesus is your undeserved and yet joyfully secure future, then remember now all that Jesus has done for you, church. Remember and rejoice. We will begin by peeling off the very, very top clear plastic lid in order to expose the, just the cracker. Now this cracker, remember, re represents Jesus' body. So it was on the very same night that Jesus was offered as our substitutionary sacrifice, that Jesus was meeting with his disciples and he took some of the unleavened bread that was part of their Passover meal celebration and he said a prayer and then he broke off pieces of this large unleavened cracker. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together now. Amen. Jesus died so that all of our sins could be washed whiter than snow. Jesus died to bring sinners like me to eternal joy in God. Now, before we drink the cup together, we're going to sing a love song to Jesus, okay? You ready to sing, church? Your singing sounded good this morning. We're going to express our gratitude for all that God has given us in Jesus. So please stay seated and sing out these lyrics with humble dependence of faith, with the joyful gratitude of one who has been forgiven apart from anything that you've ever done, anything you've ever deserved. Let's sing together, my Jesus, I love thee.
my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love Jesus today? If you don't, cry on the Lord, cry out to the Lord. Ask him to give you a new heart, a new heart that beats in love for Jesus. Ask him to save you from your sins and your unbelief and your callousness and your apathy and to make you alive. Our God is a God of salvation. Our God is a God of glory. And our future for those who believe in Jesus is one of crowns and glory and eternal joy in the presence of Jesus forever. Oh, how we love our Savior and Lord. 
Communion celebrates what God himself has done through his son Jesus. And communion also looks forward, doesn't it? The Lord's table looks forward to the day when we will join Christ around the king's table. So let's peel back the lid of that cup to expose the juice as we cherish afresh the biblical promises of God that he gave us in his word. We call these promises the new covenant because all of our hopes for eternal newness rest on the promises of God. It rests on the work of God alone. So before Jesus went to the cross, he took a cup after that Passover meal. And he said, this cup now represents the new covenant in my blood. In other words, the promises of God for your salvation that are sealed in my blood. It's the blood of Jesus on the cross that seals the promises of God for your eternal future, church. So he says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Amen. Amen. What a Savior. Let's stand together as we pray out our benediction now, as we go out into this new year of ministry together. The benediction today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Let's pray it out loud together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all those who are thankful for Jesus would say, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Amen.